Hello and welcome to Northwest Five Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people uh, in tech and business all over the Northwest. And today is no different. We have with us John Hughes, Chief Strategy Officer at the Modern Milkman. Hello, John. Hi, John. How are you doing? Um, great. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm not sure we've had a Chief Strategy Officer before, but someone will probably tell me we have. So apologies. Uh, great, great to have you on. Okay, hand we up. Have, Go we on. have, we have, we have, we have. Mar- okay. Marcus Hadfield across yes. at me. Of course, of course. So uh, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant, John, to have you on. Great. Um, I definitely want to find out about you and uh, the Modern Milkman and everything. So um, yeah, great to have you on. Um, so John, do you want to maybe just give us a quick uh, just give us the quick intro to what the Modern Milkman is. That'd be great if you would mind. The Modern Milkman is um, a convenience grocer that comes to your doorstep and delivers stuff in return and reuse packaging. Um, so glass milk bottles rather than plastic, so that we're not filling in the oceans and adding to the plastic continents that we're creating out in the Atlantic and the Indian Ocean, etc. Um, it started around about four years ago in a lovely rural town called Col, uh, which is just near Burnley. Started off with um, a broken fridge, a broken truck, and um, a book of addresses to go and deliver to. And then what happened is our CEO, Simon, went out to collect all the money that he thought he'd made in that week. Um, he was expecting to collect £1,000. He collected 50 quid. Uh, and he realized two things then. The first one was that people lived very erratic lifestyles. People were always leaving notes in bottles, etc., and uh, that people didn't carry cash anymore. So he was like, I'm pretty sure that tech solves those two problems. Um, so he went and built an app. Um, unfortunately, about a month later, he met me. And I come from the opposite end of the spectrum to Simon. Simon's very operational focused, very clear commercial thinker. I'm, for all intents and purposes, I'm just a data nerd. So I'd started in uh, investment banking and I used to sit in front of a Bloomberg terminal all day. Um, and that, like, you can go deep on data in, in Bloomberg. And then I, in 2012, I moved into startups and I realized I didn't have a Bloomberg terminal anymore. So I learned how to build my own. So that whether that was Google Analytics, whether that was SQL Server, whether that was data engineering, data analysis, data science, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I had a maths degree by trade, so it all kind of fits together by any sort of STEM degree and basically found great ways to get data out, provide insights to people because previously I'd put money on the data that I'd found. Um, so I was quite, I was quite prepared to back my own opinion to do something. Um, but what I found is the data stacks in bigger companies where I work is shit. And you might have to bleep that out, sorry, but um, it was just, it, it, was, it was terrible. You know, legacy systems, 15, 20 years old, um, process, like wrapped up in, wrapped up in red tape, but strung together by, with sellotape was how, uh, how I describe most of those things. Um, I would identify opportunities that just couldn't go anywhere, you know, and there was no appetite for innovation. So I moved down, I moved down the curve. I started working with really small companies, you know, companies with less than a million pound revenue. And I was able to get in and get that data. I didn't have to like sign up to a firewall or anything like that. It was just there sitting for me. And I could go and be creative with it and produce great insights, you know, and automate some insights as well. So moving into the science piece. 
But then I found that those companies can often have a sing one single view, which is the view of the managing director. And so if your insights didn't match what they were doing, which they probably don't because he's got a million pounds in revenue, so it's not the biggest business, then you struggle to get any sort of confluence. Uh, and I met Simon shortly after he, so he's just commissioned an app. I met him and he showed me what he was doing. I was like, that sounds really nice and simple and quite brilliant. Uh, I like what you're doing. I do this. What you're doing at the minute is hilarious. Like, so he had a, like a Google spreadsheet where he's managing all the orders, et cetera, um, duplicating a spreadsheet for, for the next week, et cetera. I was like, stop whatever you're doing and let me handle that side. And then the app came out about three or four months later and I wanted to kill myself, for want of a better word. Um, the data structures were broken. You know, you couldn't see anything into the future. I couldn't do anything. Um, and so I said to him, we need to raise more money to rebuild this. And we did. We, you know, we reached out to a guy who became our CTO, found him like a bit of a data nerd like myself he won't appreciate me calling me and uh calling him a nerd but uh he knows who he is uh, i think golfing legend is probably how he would describe himself and he uh between him and i we were able to create databases that were based on the business logic okay so not not just based on some commerce platform or whatever unfortunately before we could get those out we had covid so we forexed in a week um, we made some good decisions in that week where we said, we're not going to shut down customers. You know, there was a temptation to close off like to new customers. We, we said, let's stay open. You don't often get chances to acquire customers at 25p a go. I said, and let's take the money that they would have cost to come in and reinvest that in the operation to support the operation in this like huge inflow thing. And we got through it. Yeah. Um, and it was at that point that, it moved from being a business that like, you know, like a lifestyle business for myself and Simon, where we were both like in a passion project, really enjoying it. And it started to become a career. Yeah. Um, and so we, we were like, let's do this properly. Let's raise a series A. Um, we managed that in December, 2020, brought on ETF partners. And we raised the series B about three months later with Insight and extended that round at the back end of October, 2021. In that time, we've gone from one van to 400, and we've gone from eight employees up to 200. And we're serving around about 40% of the UK at the minute. So we've gone from being, we've gone from being um, a fairly local business in a rural village in Lancashire to what could be potentially a very big business. So. Amazing. That's the, the first thing that came into my head. I know, I know, uh, Mr. Cleary, who I'm going to call Mr. Cleary today because obviously we've got two jobs on, is going to be fascinated to talk more tech side of it. But yeah, I mean, that's just a, an amazing story in four years to go from one to 408 to 200 people staff, you know, from what really was a lifestyle business that quickly. Um, in relation to the reason why it grew that quickly. I mean, I know, John, you're going to want to talk about the tech bit, so um, I, I, maybe we can touch on that. But what do you think made that move so fast? So we got a winded ourselves, you know, yeah. so um, there is a strong, understandable proposition and we have married the business to the data. So when things start to go wrong and inevitably things always go wrong, it's a startup. 
you are on the data very quick to try and correct course. You know, so you don't have these huge periods of down before you realize that something's gone wrong. Things start to turn down because you're so focused on the data, you are able to try and correct the course earlier than when, oh, revenue's down 25% for the last five weeks. Why didn't anyone tell me sort of thing, you know? So it, it's that essentially, those three things, you know, the, 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 wind, the wind in the sail from like the likes of COVID and people being more at home, et cetera, um, and, and ending up with like correcting course, like almost daily probably, you know, using data to correct course, to make change, to uh, advise strategy, to move forward, essentially. Right. And uh, sorry, I know, John, you want to go. I know you do, but just give me a second. Um, 400 vans. So how does the model work at the moment then? So are they independent milkmen and then they just use one of your vans? Are they, is it a bit like an Uber type scenario? And No, it's it's not like that. So we have, we have hubs that are situated within the UK that we deliver stock into. We, we put vans into. Um, and those hubs are run by our franchise partners. Yeah, the franchise partner is then responsible for the drivers. Uh, the drivers come in, they they use our app, they use our van, and and basically they have a driver app that is basically their companion on the round, essentially. So it tells them where to go, in which order to do it, where to, like, what to drop, you know, um, and also some like customer hygiene pieces, like like taking a proof of delivery sometimes, or you know, like sometimes putting a welfare check in for a customer. I know that's getting a lot of um, really good headway from our customers. Sometimes when we reach out to them and say, "We've been to your house again, and you've left your previous order on the doorstep. Um, do you want to? Like, is everything okay?" They really appreciate those things, especially like if they've got like older relatives, etc. So, so that's essentially the model. Right. So it's almost like a full for you guys. You know, there's a tech piece which you talked about there, but then there's also everything that comes around. I mean, obviously the the funding will have helped you do that, but you know, you've got to get your supply chain, you've got to get your buy-in, you've got to get your logistics, you've got to get all those elements to it as well. So this is almost a tech business and almost like a, a supply chain as well. That sort of bolted onto it, I'd say. Am I right in that? Fundamentally, I would say that it's a data business um, and that the tech, it's a tech-enabled business. Um, you know, we're not selling software. I mean, we may do in time, you know, if we continue to, like, invest in our, like, our data science modules. A.K.A. Mr. Cleary, I will stop. <laughs> I've been scribbling like mad because there's so many great things, John. Really interesting. Um I love the fact that we've you're not first data nerd we've had on here. We do love a good data nerd. <laughs> so it's absolutely brilliant to hear. And honestly, what really comes through is like the passion for that because the way you say like we're a data business, we're data, you know, data first, everything's data driven. And you know, we we re-architect our application to give us the answers we needed so that we could be a data business rather than having all these lagging indicators that you could actually be more as, as proactive as possible. But the thing that, the thing that made me laugh probably is when your pitch to your CEO, I don't know if it was a pitch or not, but when you described his spreadsheets as hilarious, that's a great way to like get your foot in the door. Says, Do you know what you're doing is hilarious. <laughs> you definitely get someone's attention. So well doing for, do, for doing that. Um, it does sound like, you know, timing wise, 
the sort of start of pandemic, you were, you know, had you started two years earlier, you might have been further along in your journey. It might not have, it might not have mattered. Or if you'd only just built your app, you wouldn't have been ready. Was it, do you think from your point of view that that came at the right time? Uh, it helped. It definitely helped. Uh, it put the wind in the sail. I just wish we had a faster boat at the time it put the wind in the sail. So I actually wish we were like two years further. If it happened now, I'd absolutely fucking kill it. Right, you know, um, right for want for want of a better phrase, like, I'd love it to happen now because we've got a growth playbook, etc. You know, we yeah, like I'd absolutely love it. So obviously, you you had a great idea, a great proposition. It was easy to understand, and you were able to. But that that wind in the sail potentially allowed you to then go and get those rounds of investment that allowed you to build the tech that you needed to have that playbook and everything. So you, you probably, um, yeah, that, so obviously the investment turbocharged the business because it allows you yeah. to go and experiment more and, and go faster, essentially. Um, I, and I don't think we'd have raised those rounds of investment without, without COVID. So, but I, I, I think that we would, yeah. And so it, it did come at the right time. Yeah. If you're going to get, if you're going to get one bite of the cherry, which you generally do, it's uh that's probably a, a good time oh, in one respect. Definitely, yeah. And and we always appreciate that there's a there's a bit of um, good luck involved in any story. Yeah. Um. You know, but I'm a firm believer that you've got to make the most of the opportunities presented as well. So yeah, I'm with you there. And I think the other interesting thing is obviously you know the name the modern milkman um, is you know traditionally it was always very much about milk wasn't it and then orange juice appeared but now looking at you guys and what you guys do you've, you've gone to that next level you, you know you're almost like an fmcg business well you are an fmcg business to a degree aren't you in relation to you know there's so many other products that you also deliver now in addition to that you know when i had a look at the website i was like wow you can have all of this stuff so you know is is that I suppose the title, the modern milkman, is that what the modern milkman is nowadays? Is it sort of a green grocers on wheels? That would be a. Uh, you've seen you've seen a lot of VC dollars like thrown at um, green grocers on wheels, like instant delivery, etc. Um, you know, we kind of felt we were the opposite end of that spectrum. So you know, delivery, grocery, grocery deliveries in fifteen minutes, etc. I still don't feel like that's a massively sustainable model because I know how hard it is to get groceries to people in a planned service, <laughs> you know, so good luck to the guys there, um, you know, um, but I, I describe our surfing as the stuff you go into the fridge in the morning. If it's not there, you swear at yourself. So what, what's our range It's you open the fridge, it's not there. Yeah. Um, and you're doing this on a morning. Because if you're if it's stuff that you wanted at five pm, you just nip you nip to Tesco on your way home, or you nip to Aldi on your way home, or during your lunch hour you, you popped a little. You can solve those problems yourself. You still got eight hours. It's that I've got no milk for my cornflakes, or I've got no milk for my kids' cereals, etc. You know, so that for me is primarily our focus. And yes, we will try. You know, we are expanding the range because. We need to, you know, it makes more economic sense that if people are shopping with us and people are taking plastic out of the food supply chain, let's give them more things to take take it out of. No, but plastic pollution is a massive problem. It's throughout the world. And, you know, our brand is anchored to that sustainability credential. 
um, and hence why, you know, that is the modern thing about the milkman. Um, you possibly need to understand why milkmen died away as well a little bit. A lot of that is to do with the growth of the hypermarket and the ability to sell milk as a loss leader. You know, it made it, it created this massive price differential. But what it also did is it pumped loads and loads of plastic into our waste. There is a plastic continent in the Atlantic Ocean that's five times the size of France. The reason I know that is because I was reading a book to my son about it, who's six years old, and he's like, is that real? Can I walk on it? And he had, like, so many questions about it. And I was like, yeah, but that is why daddy goes to work and does what he does. You know, because we don't want that to happen. You know, I don't want you to be able to walk to America on, on a load of plastic. And so the environmental and sustainability goals of the business are as important as the tech that we build and the profits we'd like to make. Amazing. Absolutely great. I was going to ask you about the environmental piece, but I feel like uh, uh, John's got more questions than me I, at the moment. So, yeah. uh, so I'm going to hold back and let John talk a little bit more because I think that's probably coming as well. I, I, yeah, I'm really interested in the, the day side of things because I, from my experience, a lot of businesses go in with a good idea and they start there and then they, you know, they back, they build a business around, but they don't necessarily drive it with data. And it sounds like that's very much your passion and how you look at things first. I've heard the expression that data has doesn't have feelings. Um, and I think maybe a lot of founders do have feelings around these things and gut feeling rather than data driven decision making. How how bad do you think we are as in as in the industry at you know decisions based on data? Um, I think we're getting better because the tool because the tooling is getting better. You know, I think it's becoming a lot easier to centralize your data sources to understand how disparate they could have been. You know, so we're getting better at consuming data. There are, I mean, there are still things to overcome. Like the problem with having a presentational layer of data is you run the risk of everybody becoming an analyst. And, an, and the, the role of an analyst is quite often missed. Um, it's actually a very skillful role to not get dragged down, like down dead ends, essentially. So the more data you have, the more data you make available, the more risk you are of bad analysis. Someone who might be skilled in marketing, looks at a dashboard and goes, oh, that means this and presses the button. And it didn't mean that. You're a marketer, your skills are in marketing. You're a bad analyst. Don't do it. Ask the question. Use the analyst to do that. Um, and we're not 100% there yet in, in how we democratize data. Um, far from it. I want everyone in my business to be able to ask a question and get an answer relatively quickly. But there's an important distinction there. It's ask a question, not create a solution. It's that basic. And that that's the skill of an analyst is to take the complication out of it. You know, what are you searching for? Why are you searching for it? What will you do with it? They're very, very important. And it's a very important skill as you segue through like myriads of data. So. so it's definitely not just about centralizing your data and getting it all in one place and presenting it. It's a lot about the... That's step one. Yeah. That is step one. Yeah, yeah. That, that is very much step one. Um, you know, I co-founded this business. Like, it's actually three and a half years ago when we actually set the business up. So... You can claim six months back there, but I've, I've, I've been obsessed with collecting data, not necessarily on analyzing it, um, because the good thing about data is if you collect it, you've got like you've got an infinite time span. And when you analyze it, the data will be there, essentially. 
Cool. Well, I'm going to just move on a little bit from, from the data piece. And I know John might want to come back to it, but um, I'm keen to know huge growth, fast growth, all of the things that you've talked about, amazing. So where are you now? What, what are the challenges that I face? Because to grow that quickly, I can imagine there's, there's also a considerable amount of challenges. You mentioned there, you start pointing with the data and you mentioned where you actually get into or you've got to with that. But what about the rest of the business and what challenges is, is the modern milkman seeing or facing at the moment? There are foundational challenges. You know, um, when you're a kid and you grow too quickly, you get growing pains. We've done that, you know, so we have to go and retrofit some of the things that we've done. So previously it's been higher, 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 higher. Um, and that was before we put in like recruitment structures and and things such as like reviews, et cetera, onboarding, et cetera. So if you've had to add loads and loads and loads of people and you haven't had a full process in, with which to do it, you're going to have some some pain. So we've got to correct that. We're also facing into what is a tricky economic environment as well. You know, it's changing from like people having more disposable income from working from home and not eating at prep five times a week, et cetera. We're staring into that. You know, there's a, there is a cost of living crisis in this country. That means that if we're 20 pence more than in the supermarket to buy, to buy milk, you might go, well, I, I'll have to pay for it. I'll have to just use a bit more plastic and contribute a bit more to that plastic continent. Um, because I can't afford it. So we're, we're facing into, into that environment as well, which, you know, will slow your growth. So they are the, they are the two major challenges at the minute is that, you know, restructure our bones from our, um, from our growing pains, et cetera, rub the calf muscles, et cetera, and make sure that you are a finely tuned athlete for the next stage of growth. Um, and also facing to the fact that the environment's changing you know, start to move towards like metrics that matter that keep you going, your cash flow, your like, you know, reducing your burn rate, et cetera, focusing on the investments that you're making actually having a return rather than being a crapshoot, you know, and, and, and doing and doing that. Yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting one, particularly that sort of you know I, I love your analogy about the children getting growing pains, but you know it, it it's it, it's so true. You know when you grow, particularly when you grow so fast, but when you grow generally anyway, the growth normally starts off from the founders, doesn't it? And the processes aren't quite there because you're just running as fast as you can to try and get yourself ahead above water and give yourself the opportunity, and then you start doing well for yourself, and before you know it, you've scaled, and then when you've scaled, it's about making sure that. You know, the platform is as robust to handle the amount of people that you're bringing through and the processes are there. So I absolutely get that. And I've heard it so many times as well. I suppose on that. So is that sort of where you're at now? Is that what you're looking to do now? Bring in those people or, or refine it yourselves and so on? Uh, well, if you heard me say earlier, I'm a data nerd, you know, so communication isn't my strong point, <laughs> um, you know, so putting in those processes, etc. that ain't going to be me, unfortunately. I'm a firm believer in square pegs, square holes. So keep me doing what I'm doing and, you know, find somebody else to, to help us. And we, have, we have a great team that are already on with that. So as a founder, it, basically your job is to keep on making yourself redundant every three months. Yeah. So, you know, find a problem, fix it, find someone to keep fixing the problem. And, you know, myself and Simon, well, 
Simon's definitely the CEO now, so you know he doesn't want to be making himself redundant there. But yeah, I'm continuously finding like ways to put myself out of the job or giving giving up my Legos is how Simon phrases it. Um, <laughs> Brilliant, John. Yeah, yeah, I I think yeah I think that's that's really interesting actually. They, you know, I'm we you talked about the the waste piece. Do you think? I know, like, again, looking around industry as a whole doesn't seem to be doing a lot to tackle waste. And you, you talked about sort of large supermarkets and that, and they're very much complicit in that. You know, you know, do you know why they're not doing that? Hit, hit me. Because <laughs> it's really bloody hard, that's why. Yeah. Um, so we, I, there's a, one of the things I'm proudest of at The Milkman is that um, pretty much on every transactional email you get from us as a customer, We'll tell you how much plastic you save. Absolutely love that. Um, great tech piece involved in that. Very hard. So essentially, that data lives in our first-party data. So our our databases um, gets pushed through to Snowflake, uh, our data warehouse, and we have a trans. So we have a transformation that runs every single day that creates a little table with a cloud ingestion file that is picked up by our CRM, which is Braze, and, and populates every single person's metrics every day. You know, it was a powerful metric, but then we started to iterate on it. So in the space of three days, we went from having nothing about this to having that, having the company-wide statistics, and also having, if you guys are based in Manchester, we'd be able to tell you how many bottles we've saved in Manchester since we started. Um, and so we we just roll, we, we push out that content on every email, just one of the three, depending on how we're feeling on the day. So that's a nice way to highlight the, the environmental, sustainable and technological capabilities of, of the company. No. So that's per user. So every customer of yours receives a personalized statement effectively. If, yeah. If we communicate with the customer on that day, it, will, yeah. it should have that. They'll, they'll receive that. That's incredible. Yeah, that's like big scale, and then like right down to the like the the individual customer level, which is I think yeah, really neat, and definitely definitely breeds back into your your data nerdiness. Like people love that as well. You know, if you think of a lot of applications now, that it's quite common to give a feedback and and tell tell the user like how they're doing. If you're on Strava, it'll say, oh, you've burned ten hamburgers or whatever on that bike ride. I didn't, by the way, I didn't burn any hamburgers. Um. But it that's the and that's what people relate to that and they, uh, yeah I think it it brings the message home that you're not you're not just doing this for, you know the convenience shopping as I think maybe you described at the beginning but it's actually impact, um, and people want to have an impact and plastic unfortunately is not going away or it certainly won't go away unless we do something about it, so re- really enjoy that. So obviously we talked loads about where the business is at challenges where you've come from where you are it's all really exciting so where are we going next what's the next stage for the modern milkman obviously we talked about what you've got to do from the challenge perspective but what's next so there will be expansion within the uk so we want to get uk coverage um we've already moved into france so we have a hub out in lille and we are exploring other countries from there we're also looking at um, investments into packaging as well so that we can provide a wider range. So like home compostable packaging for maybe butchery items, things like that, and like adding more things in returnable glass, etc. So they are the focuses. From a technological side, 
you know, we want to push more. We've done an awful lot of work on our customer churns. So we want to push that into all our systems so that our systems are capable of understanding the uh, understanding the customer a lot more so they can say that this customer's like really upset with us, you know, like let's de let's deal with them in this queue and deal with them in a nice and sensitive way and, you know, and accept, like hold our hands up, et cetera, and, you know, see if we can solve those things. And obviously investments in the fleet, you know, so changing the way that the van looks, et cetera, so that, that we can reduce the driver's load. Um, you know, they're the, they're the unsung heroes of this operation. You know, they're out in the night, in any sort of weather, always like pumping it up, making sure that your your stuff's there so that you don't open that fridge in the morning and go, oh no, I've forgotten to do this. You know, they're, they're definitely the unsung heroes of this. So, you know, shout out to them if any of them have bothered to listen to the link that I send them. <laughs> yeah. what, what they don't know is that I will uh, I will basically embed a podcast player into the app at some point as well so they'll have to listen to it on loop um, but yeah no they're, they're the guys that go out in all seasons and like are the you know the almost invisible heroes of the operation so well at the time in the morning that they go out at those 3 and 4am times you should be able to listen to the podcast nice and quietly anyway um, so I mean, I can't believe that we're nearly done. You know, we've, I feel like it's gone so fast. It's, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. You've been a great... You must be the only person that's ever spoken to me and enjoyed the experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if there was a piece of advice that you could give somebody... Um, whether that in, in any in any format, by the way. So whether that's like how you started up in this business and what you had to do, or anything at all, you know, whether that be something environmental. What what advice would you give to to people listening out there? Three words: keep it simple. Yeah, uh, every stage of the thing where you're tempted to overcomplicate it, just try and keep it simple. You know, so I go back to COVID, where you've got all this noise going on. Yeah, and you've got customers coming in left, right, and center, etc. The simple thing was to look at it and go, will we ever acquire customers again at 25 pence? The answer is no. No. Um, so it's the simple thing is if I'm never going to be able to do this again, I should keep doing it as long as I can. You know, it's just it is about simplifying the decision. It doesn't need what people don't realize is the perfect information doesn't mean perfect results. You know, so if you've got 90% of the information now and the next 10% of the information is not really going to add anything to inform your decision and will kick the can down uh, two hours down the road, do it now, you know, because that 10% can be can be reinvested in those two hours. That 10% risk of failure you've got can be reinvested in those two hours. Don't overcomplicate it. If you can't explain something in in one sentence, you're probably overthinking it. Like, for instance, what does the modern milkman do? I, like, people would ask me that, and I'd say, it puts food and drink on your doorstep. Yeah? How it's done, you know, I'd love to explain that to you, because then you start to realise that, like, it's actually a really, really digitally focused, like, data-enhanced business. Uh, some would call a tech business. Like, tech-enabled business is my preference. When people say to me, are you a milkman? You know, when I'm explaining to my mom and her, her friends... Um, are you a milkman? I just say, yeah, 
because it keeps it simple, you know. So like it is a simple business, but a lot of good big businesses are, and they maintain that consistency of keeping things simple throughout the journey. So that that's the only advice I'd give to anyone. The other bit of advice is kind of based on that simplicity would be um, don't try and do things you're not good at. So like as a founder, you will have to do a lot of things. If there's more than one founder, just whoever's best at the thing, do the thing. You know, don't don't say, oh, he's like, don't overload another guy. Like there are trade-offs. Simon was really good at the commercial, the operational, et cetera. You know, I wasn't good with the people, Simon is. So it makes sense to to do what you're good at. Like whenever people speak to me about their business, I'm like, first question I ask them is, what are you good at? You know, and if they say nothing, then we end the conversation. Um, but, you know, it's just, it is hard, but the actual hard bit is keeping it simple. Yeah, and I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more on all of, all of everything really today, but, you know, the bit about when these two co-founders, because I was in that situation and you get to a certain point and at the start, you're just running, you know, you're, you're, you're all trying to do a little bit of everything, but you get to a stage where a decision needs to be made on who is best at doing what. And I think that gives you, once you crack that, because sometimes when you don't crack that, and we've seen it in many businesses, that's when you end up having problems because there can only ever be one leader in one area and one leader in another area. Otherwise, you start having problems, particularly in partnerships or co-founding businesses, whether that be two or three or four people and so on. And I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I've seen our business and, and recruitment's been you know very, very kind to us over the past year or so. Um, but I've seen it in our business when we made a decision that certain people would take on certain roles. It gave us the opportunity to scale a lot quicker because ultimately it gives that person the focus and also that person responsibility. But that person's right for that focus and that person's right for that responsibility. So, um, Mr. Cleary? Yes, I, I love that, John. Thank you. And I actually, it's my favorite part of our, our episode is when we get into the can you give a piece of advice? And I'd written a few. I was going to be a bit cheeky and ask a couple of more pieces of advice. And maybe, maybe I can just ask one of those. If that's okay. Um, because we we came on, we we start talking about tech, and then I talk about tech, and then we got into data, and that was great. And then we start really went into sustainability, and that's something we don't talk about. We haven't talked about a lot on the show. We've definitely covered it, but not the hell of a lot. So I maybe I could ask you what advice you would give to a business or a CEO or a founder who wants to do something, make a more sustainable future, what advice would you give them? Um, can you explain in one sentence how you're going to make it sustainable? Um, and then can you manage the trade-off between being environmentally sustainable and being financially sustainable as well? Can you maintain that cadence between the two? Because we... You know, we won't be here in five years' time if we can't also be financially sustainable, you know, which would be a terrible shame because you'd have a plastic continent the size of Russia by then if we if we fail in that. So it's like they would be the, the two questions I'd need to ask, I think. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I believe that every business needs to do something and most businesses are doing at least, you know, dipping their toe into the water, but got to start somewhere, don't they, and have a, have a start and do something that will make an impact and, and maybe comes back, back to that data point, know that it's impactful. Like how are you going to measure it? How are you going to know you've made a difference? 
So um, just to finish off, I just want to thank you very much for taking the time out today with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've certainly massively enjoyed it. And I know John has, I can just tell, um, you know, it was the minute you're talking about, you started talking about data and you, John was like, yes. <laughs> we didn't so... even go deep. We didn't go deep. We could have went deep on that. Um... That's my other podcast where I don't bring Zach on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. It's fine. <laughs> John, thank you very much for coming on the show. And if you want to get in touch with the Northwest Five podcast, you can find us in the usual places. We're on LinkedIn, both myself and Zach. You can contact us directly. We have a page on there as well. And there's also our website, northwestfi.co.uk. Hit us up on there and send us a message if you want to be on the show. Know some of that would be good to be on the show or just have a question you'd like to ask a guest. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>